0: Any information that is discussed on this podcast is not professional medical advice, rather the opinion of the host and their guests. If you wish to alter yours or someone else's diabetes regime, as always, seek professional medical advice. Right, guys, welcome back to the Immune Kamikaze podcast. Today I've got another very special guest with me, Laura Rostron. Uh, Laura has participated in the Triathlon World Age Group Championships in Mexico. She's a multiple sprint and standard distance triathlon participant. She's completed six 70.3 or half Ironman triathlons. Uh, she's completed the MS Megaswim. She's ridden the Murray-Temoyne as part of the Hypoactive uh, team. She's run the Run for Kids multiple times. She's run the Melbourne Half Marathon. She's ridden the JDRF, the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation Ride for the Cure, the Degani-King Lake Ride, the Amy Gillett Ride. She's ridden the Around the Bay, the 250, which is the, uh, the longest loop around the, the bay, the Port Phillip Bay down here in Victoria. She's a hypoactive member. She's participated in diabetes clinical trials, which I'm really keen to talk about later on. Uh, she was a camp coordinator for diabetes camps. She's a snowboarder, just like me, so I think that's pretty cool. And she's also a poster girl for Diabetes Australia. So I'm keen to talk about that a little bit further on. Welcome, Laura. Thanks, Darcy. Righto, so Laura today has, has just written the Cadell Evans uh, Rye. So I'm really keen to uh, talk about that. How did you How did you go today, Laura?
1: Um, a bit of a mixed bag today. So it was a beautiful ride, fantastic conditions today, especially um, yesterday being so hot and windy. was a little bit nervous about what it was going to be like out there today. So we did have a bit of a headwind um, for the first 40Ks heading down to Barwon Heads. But then fortunately we got a bit of a, a tailwind for... Um, more of the lumpy parts of the second half of the ride. So definitely a challenging course with most of the elevation being at the, the back end. So you've already done quite a few Ks before you get to the really sharp, pinchy bit. So I did take the easy option and not go up to Lambra. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but just for the record, people that aren't aware of this course, this is a really steep hill. So yeah. that's I think that's fair enough.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you still still managed to do about 900 meters of um, vertical climb across yeah, right. 115 K. So, that's yeah. that's
0: excellent. And today wasn't a particularly cool day either. Um, I mean, it wasn't a super hot day. But yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. It was
1: definitely warm um, towards for the last probably 30 Ks or so. It was, yeah, starting to definitely heat up a bit, but we did actually get rained on slightly. Um, early in the morning, so yeah,
0: yeah, right. And did you see Cadell out on course today?
1: I didn't see him out on course, we saw him um, before the ride started. I saw him at dinner last night when I was mm-hmm. having dinner in Geelong, and then we also saw him um, being mugged by everyone as he's trying to leave the course and get back <laughs> to the hotel. And yeah, he actually had to run off literally oh, really? away from people <laughs> trying to have their photos and get signatures from him. So yeah. yeah,
0: right, he is a bit of a famous man, he is indeed. And how did the uh, diabetes hold up today?
1: Um, So today was a little bit of a mixed bag. So um, I woke up with an elevated blood sugar. I was actually a little unwell overnight. So I had a blood sugar of about 15 when I woke up. So not the best way to start a ride. So um, that came down to about 10 before um, the actual ride start. And then I sat at about 10 until... 70 k's in would we'll drop down to three oh, right. um, which was a bit of a ugh, okay so I dialed back um the insulin um, my basal rate on my pump okay. um had a gel kept yeah. going obviously um so i try to check every sort of 20 k's when i'm writing yeah sure. Um, it's generally good or if i'm just having one of those moments where i'm like is this really hard or am yeah. I like just being really soft at the moment? <laughs> I can't tell. I think I'll just check my blood sugar just to make sure yeah. see what it's doing. So yeah. And then it came back up but I finished the ride on 3.4. So okay. I was like, okay. Not, yep. Yeah. Tom. Not too bad. Time for another gel and some recovery food. So okay.
0: yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. So firstly, um, I wouldn't mind talking about your diabetes mm-hmm. if you don't mind. Sure. Um, what type of diabetes do you have?
1: I've got type one diabetes. Okay.
0: And what age were you when you were diagnosed with type one diabetes? I was five. Okay. Yeah. yeah right. So, so yeah, much, much younger than me. Yeah. Uh, six years younger. Um, and how did that come about?
1: So, um, my dad, it's quite an interesting story. i but it's quite an interesting story so we had um there was a virus that went through my primary school and everyone was really sick and was living in regional new south wales at the time in a small town called collector and everyone was like so we were living on a property and my mum was really concerned about Mm how much i was drinking so i started with she was i lost quite a bit of weight and she was like yes she's losing a puppy fat fantastic (laughs) i'm gonna get like this fit looking daughter um and then she's just like you're drinking so much and really lethargic and i'd be absolutely starving and like i need to eat food and she'd make me food i'd have like two mouthfuls and i'm like i'm so sick i can't eat anymore and then i think the the breaking point for her was when i drank our tank dry yeah. So we had no, no water yeah, right. I was drinking so much. And it was like, she went to the other mothers at school and was like, so like, are your kids drinking a lot with this virus? They're like, yeah, yeah. Hip. She's like, okay, Laurie's drinking like two liters, which for a five-year-old is quite yeah, a, lot is a lot at dinner. Yeah. And like, she's just, yeah. And they're like, no, they're not drinking that much. <laughs> So my mum, being my mum, went to the good old school Funk and Wagnalls because this was back in 1986. I went to the encyclopedias and was looking up symptoms and um, there was no Google doctor available then. So she did old school way um, and decided that she thought I had diabetes. So she took me to the GP and said, all right, I think my daughter has diabetes. Can you test her for it? And the GP said, no.
0: Oh, right.
1: Do you understand how many parents come in here asking for me to do this this week? And she's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, it's Diabetes Awareness Week. Huh. I'm not testing it. Everyone thinks that their children have diabetes. Really? She's fine. And my mom's like, okay, I didn't know that, but I'm not leaving until you test her yeah. for diabetes. So, it's
0: just a simple test. Yeah, really yeah, yeah. So really. he was
1: like, oh do you think you can go to the toilet? I'm like, mate, all I'm doing is going to the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I gave them a, um, a, a urine sample and basically yep. went straight from there to the hospital. Although we did stop along the way to buy some tab, which was the only diet soft drink available at that point in time. Right. Cause I was really thirsty yep. on the way, on the way to the hospital. So yeah, yeah my blood right. sugar came back from the urine test off the charts. Yeah. Um, and back in those days I was in hospital for a bit over a week Yeah, yeah right. to stabilise okay. diabetes yeah yep. the whole school came to visit me because I went to a really small school with oh like that's, 13 kids that's awesome so <laughs> it's one of those things people always like how do you like tell people I'm like well I never really had a choice about telling people because everyone came to visit me when I was diagnosed so they're always yeah. known so yeah great. Yeah. Right. yeah
0: that's that's awesome um <laughs> So when you were first diagnosed, mm-hmm. uh, what did you use? So when you were in hospital, you were yep. probably connected intravenously. I would have thought uh, to an insulin machine. Oh, right.
1: No, okay. given insulin by syringe. So needles straight,
0: straight away. Straight away. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay.
1: Yeah. Well, from what I remember, yeah. So I might yep. have been at the very early start intravenously, but okay. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, syringes. So yeah. I was started on just protophane, which is a huh. really old school, long acting insulin. Yeah. And I would actually react really quickly to it. Mm-hmm. And initially would potentially hypo within the first sort of 20 minutes of being given a shot of protophane. Yeah, really? Was, yeah, bizarre. And also back in those days, and being in a regional town it's probably slightly different. They only taught my mum how to give injections. so. Hmm my mum did all of my injections until I went to my first diabetes camp when I was nine. Oh, really? And then they were like, oh, I'm like, you know, and I was sitting next to this six-year-old kid who was like, that, his mum was putting his, his needle in and he was pushing the plunger and they're like, oh, yep. do you think you could do that? And I'm just like, I'm Much older than them, I can do the whole thing, just show me what I have to do. <laughs> yeah, right. and my mum was really relieved because she was like, My child is never going to be able to move out of home because she's never going to be able to do her own injections. Yeah, I don't if it's going sure. to happen, so yeah,
0: yeah. So, you were that's really interesting because mm. I remember when I first got di- diagnosed with diabetes, it would have been yeah, 1999. Mm. Um, I was given no yep. and actravid, so you were yeah. just
1: I was just protofan, just protofan, yeah, for, and, for quite a period of time. So, I think it was probably. Um, my honeymoon went for nearly two years. So I went for about oh, 18 right. months. So it was okay. towards the end when I started having to take um, Act Rapid right. as well. That was yep. when my GP stopped managing my diabetes and I got referred to an endocrinologist. So I was managed yeah. by a GP for a really long time. Yeah, yeah,
0: right. And how did you feel? Like, I mean, I just remember back when I first got diagnosed, I suppose like the first couple of months were like, you know, this is really cool. Like this is new, like Uh kind of weird, but to say that it's cool. But, and then after that, you know, I just sort of rebelled and and thought this is really, this sucks. How, How did you feel? when you got diagnosed?
1: I think when I was first diagnosed, I didn't understand it at all. I didn't understand. And it's one of these things, my mum, part of her, I guess, mechanism of coping with me being diagnosed was she wanted to find out as much as she could. And she started a JDRF chapter in the... The town that we lived, or the next biggest town that we lived in, sure. um, to try and like speak to other parents and get a better understanding of what it's like to not take a medical viewpoint of living with diabetes and okay. actually just living with diabetes. Um, so, yeah, I didn't really understand that I was going to have to do this forever mm-hmm. until one Diabetes Awareness Week was we sitting in a mall handing out flyers. It's like, how do you tell your child yeah. that they're going to have to take over a million injections? For the rest of their life, just to stay alive. Yeah, and that's it's like, right. You never told me that. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds
0: like we're going to have to get your mum on the podcast yeah. at some point. <laughs> she's she's amazing. Starting yeah, a, a she's a absolutely chapter. amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that was a, a question I had. Is you know, how did your family respond? But yeah, oh, that's. I think you've kind of answered that question. Um, what do you? I mean, what you probably use to manage your diabetes today? Yeah. Is a probably massive world's contrast. What away, away. Yeah. <laughs> well, can you sort of take us through the journey of different devices yep. that you've used along the way yeah. up until this point?
1: Okay, so I think blood glucose meter. So blood testing has definitely come the furthest. Um, so sure. we might start with the insulin delivery devices first. So I started yeah. on syringes and obviously like bottles bottles of insulin, yep. but also started on bovine insulin so it okay. wasn't human insulin it was insulin that was derived from cows right. so it was like cow or pig insulin that you started on yeah, right. um and then yeah later humalog and nova rapage came out mm-hmm. so i first of those i first tried humalog and i actually had a really bad reaction thought i couldn't take humalog okay but i think it's actually that i'm allergic or have a like a bad reaction to one of the preservatives that Lily use in their insulin oh, right. which is different to what Novo Nordisk uses in there so I'm okay. fine on Novo Nordisk insulin but can sure. Lily which is something that you don't really hear about but it was like yeah, yeah so for a couple of years I was like I can't take Humalog because it makes me feel like vomiting within five minutes of taking it, yeah, right. which is it's not really what you want from an insulin. No, <laughs> <laughs> especially when you've got to take it, you know, multiple times Yeah, when you're it the and it's every like, ah, oh, now I need to eat, but all I want to do a spook. So, yeah, yeah, right. Okay. Um, so that was fun. But yeah, so I remember my first insulin pen was really exciting and that was like a really new thing, but it was um, a steel pen and you had to click it to deliver, so you couldn't dial up. So if you wanted to give 10 units, you couldn't dial up 10 units and then just push the end in until it delivered 10. You had to count the clicks. Gosh. So if you fully depressed it, it was two clicks. If you half depressed it it was one. So you'd have to go like two, four, six, eight, ten. Give <laughs> me eleven, right. you go like two, four, six, eight, ten, a half one to eleven. Yeah. So right. okay. yeah, that's that was quite different, but that yeah. was a big step forward okay. from syringes. Yeah. 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 Uh, so then yeah, yeah flex pens came after that. <laughs> yeah. And then I guess um yeah, then an insulin the pump. Um so I bought my diabetes for its 21st birthday. I got an insulin pump. <laughs> that's, really, that's really cool to hear you talk about
0: diabetes like it's, it's like a pet yeah, or something. Yeah, it's like a yeah. so uh, it goes- What made you use it or what made you move to a pump?
1: Um, so that was from a lot of the conversations. So I thought I couldn't, because of the whole bad reaction to Humilov, I thought I couldn't use a pump. Okay. Um, I was also really resistant to having a pump because I'm not a very coordinated person. <laughs> so I'm that person that when you're getting like on a bus or walking past something, like a door, I'll get like a handbag strap or uh, like a part of my jumper caught on it, so I'm just like, <laughs> a cord hanging out of my body is just going to be an absolute disaster. I'm going to spend my whole life just ripping yeah. ripping it off and catching it on yeah. things and I do do that quite a bit. Yeah. Um, one of the funny things, I'm on the T-Slim at the moment and I too, you have to charge it. So I tend to charge mine in my car drives, so <laughs> nice. I was like, cool, Like I'm just sitting here not doing anything, I'll just plug it in to the USB charger and that'll be my 15 minutes. But yeah. I frequently forget to unplug it. So I go to get out the car like, and <laughs> say, okay, we need to unplug that. Yeah. Okay, put that back in. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess it was one of those things where I had health insurance to do it. I've been talking to a couple of people um, I knew who were on pumps. And it's like, all right, I might as well give it a go. I'll try Novo Rapid. Mm-hmm. That, that's working okay. Um, yeah, it won't hurt. I can always come back off it. If yeah, sure. if it's no good and it doesn't work for my lifestyle but yep. the improved control and the improved flexibility and not having to plan everything the day before and I think yeah there's no yeah, way that's... I'd be able to do the exercise well there, there would but there'd be a whole lot more um, yeah I guess background to try and do the exercise that I do now on basal bolus yeah Yeah. definitely
0: i i read something yesterday on a diabetes forum on the on facebook and they were saying that like with all the advancement and the progression in the technology for diabetes Mm. people haven't improved their hba1c's and i was like I, i i don't know if i really i mean i i mean i don't unequivocally know but yeah if it if it's changed anything it's made things so much easier like yeah for me on I've, the pump yeah exercise is just 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 so much easier yeah yeah
1: but i think the interesting like the flip side to that is does hbo1c matter as much as we think it does yeah, so i had a really question. interesting conversation with my previous endocrinologist jenny con and she said that they find that if you haven't if you reach 30 years of diagnosis you will have developed all the complications that you're going to develop. really so right. yeah if you get to that point whatever you're going to develop and what's going to get worse sure um will progress from there but you're unlikely to develop so that's sort of like a yeah I guess uh yeah right
0: yeah. okay that's really interesting I, yeah I heard that before. yeah so
1: I was kind of like yeah. oh I've like got to I've been diagnosed for 28 years and it's like I've got yeah. two years to go come on <laughs> everything hang in there <laughs> yeah right that, that's
0: really interesting yeah so I was um, kind
1: of like all right cool so my toes should be fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it yeah knees are working well they're doing good yeah so, yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, but you obviously, you're, you're fastidious about your control, You mean, you kind of have to be when you you, you exercise and stuff like that. I'm anyway.
1: probably more relaxed about my control than a lot of people, so okay. like, yeah, I know I've probably met quite a range of people, and I know some people completely freak out as soon as they get over 15, and they're like, oh my yeah. god, ketones, and a lot yeah. of times I'm like, eh, if I'm 21 for a bit, then that's yeah. okay, it'll come back down, as long as I know why it's there, exactly, and I can work out what I need to do to get it back, Yeah, that's fine it's like when it's sitting there constantly it's just like yeah what's going on yeah i mean
0: you wouldn't you wouldn't sit at 20 for for a week or so but yeah, yeah i think you're the same as me i mean like if i am high you know, shit happens. Yes, yeah. there's, there's been a kink in the line of the pump, or you know, there was a bit of extra carb in that. Yeah. You know, but but I know and I can correct, and we, you know, we can sort that out. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's like,
1: like I'm not going to die or lose my eyesight because I was 21 for like, yeah. like five minutes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> it's like it's funny. Sometimes you go to hospital and you know you might be 3.5, and the nurse like nearly falls off her seat, and yeah. you're like. Hey, look, that's not really low. Like, yeah. you know, the other night, I was like, one was 1.8. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I always like the whole thing. It's like, people are like, how low is too low? I'm like, nah, it kind of depends how you get there sometimes. Yeah. Like, if you blood yeah. sugar drops really quickly, yeah. then that's, like, much worse for me than if you have, like, one of those really slow sliding ones.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, that's really interesting. <laughs> um, we were talking before about uh, O-Week at university. Um, yeah. And we were, yeah, we were talking yeah. about... Um, you you went into DK, which is diabetic yep. ketoacidosis. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about that story?
1: Sure. So O-Week um, was a period in time where there's probably there's a couple of different factors to it. So I'd moved out of home from my parents. Um, I'd actually lived my first year of university. I lived above a pub, um, which involved <laughs> quite a lot of drinking and... Um, yeah, and then my second year I got a spot on campus um, at one of the colleges, and so I was participating in O-Week and having a great time. Um, but part of that was during that first year I went from seeing my endocrinologist at the John Hospital and knowing everyone in the diabetes team, not always saw the same endocrinologist, and without fail always saw the same people. Mm-hmm. Um, when I changed to the Austin Hospital it was i would see a different registrar every week they would ask me the same questions they would tell me i was a bad diabetic and that i had to go away and do better and then come back again in like six months time Mm -hmm. and then if you're trying to change your appointments like i had to change one of my appointments because i had an exam on that day and they're like can't you change your exam i'm like Yeah, university is not so big about moving the whole exam timetable just because you don't want to have to reschedule my diabetes appointment. Yeah. Sorry. So I stopped seeing endocrinologists. um, They just went nuts. I can just tell myself yep. every couple of months that I'm bad diabetic and I, need to try harder. <laughs> I don't need to go and sit for four hours in yeah. a waiting room yeah. to be seen in a public clinic by a different registrar each time and then seen by you know, a yeah. for a couple of no, that's minutes. That's fair enough, yeah. So I wasn't taking a very active monitoring of my diabetes at that, at that the during O-Week and it was kind of one of those things where it was like, oh yeah, you know, I've moved in, I'm making new friends, everything else was a bit more important, so... We did um, at the Centurion Club. So for okay. anyone who doesn't know, Centurion is you drink a shot of beer every minute for a hundred <laughs> minutes.
0: <laughs> I have never heard of that before. Oh, really? No, okay. no, So it's a big part,
1: big part of a lot of O-weeks. So okay. started Centurion Club Challenge and didn't take my blood tester with me. Wasn't actually 100% sure where it was at that point in time. Yeah. Finished the Centurion Club Challenge. So I got through the whole hundred shots. Like, Great, excellent um, was actually quite okay surprisingly at the end of it and like helped put the rest of my floor to bed and it was the next morning I woke up and I felt okay at first and I went and had a shower and was getting ready to go to my lectures for the day and then I started vomiting and I basically vomited for an entire day because I was vomiting I went, oh, I'm not gonna give my insulin cuz I'm not I'm not keeping anything down yeah. Um and got towards like yeah so i think it was about five o'clock at night i was just like my kidneys are starting to hurt oh, really? i'm like yeah i'm really not well my like, people like were coming in and going you look really sick so um they called obviously the first aiders at the college mm-hmm. and they were like oh crap so then they took me to the medical center the medical center went no way we're not having her take her straight to emergency so i went to emergency and because it was a university they didn't actually tell them that i'd done centurion the night before because they didn't want to get in trouble oh, right. so okay. they were like okay crap like diabetic and that's so they were treating me for that and it wasn't until they called my parents and put my mum on the phone to me my mum's like what did you do and i'm like I had Centurion Club. She's like, "What is that?" <laughs> what I drank a hundred shots. She's like, oh, "Vodka." I'm like, "No, beer." My dad's question was, "Did you finish?" So yeah, yeah I did. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Um, yeah. So that was when, and then they were all like oh my God, right, we're dealing with something else as well yeah, there. So, yeah. yeah, so in the meantime, had a central line put in, catheter put in, was on a drip. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, so, right. That's yeah. really scary. And they actually spent two days in intensive care. Yep. Um, afterwards which was not fun at all yeah and then a couple of days in um, a general hospital ward where it was actually quite interesting because they seemed to bring in doctors from like every doctor from the hospital came in to tell me what a stupid thing i'd done and did i understand what how like how serious what had happened yeah was sure. and what the consequences could have been but in the meantime i had the nurses going oh, the best reason we've got a <laughs> patient in here <laughs> <laughs> no one else on this floor has cracked themselves into hospital It's just like conflicting messages there yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. um for anyone that's listening to the podcast and you're not sure what DKA is, it's it's a really serious condition and it's, yeah. it, 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 it's um, what people were dying from mm. back in the day yeah. before insulin was discovered.
1: So basically yeah. it's um, your body starts breaking down, the fat cells and the byproduct is acidic. So yeah. your blood becomes acidic and then your organs start shutting down and yeah. yeah, it is really serious and it is not nice at all to recover from. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Nah, no, well... You're looking a lot better. (laughs) It's, um, yeah.
1: So I've learned my lesson from that. And so when I did Centurion Club the next year, (laughs) you took your blood sugar. I took my blood sugar, and everybody in my college made sure that I was testing every 10 shots. Yeah, perfect.
0: (laughs) That is a good amount. Yeah, Yeah, right. Um, All right. So, something. So, the reason that you. That I came across, Laura, is I think we became friends on Facebook a while mm-hmm. ago. I mean, I, we probably, I saw, maybe saw you in a hyperactive or something mm-hmm. like that. And I saw how involved you were with, with sports and triathlon mm-hmm. specifically. Um, so I wouldn't mind talking about the triathlon stuff you've been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, as I mentioned in the intro, you, you've, you did the uh, world champs in Mexico in 2016. Um, and I want to come to that in a little bit, but first I wouldn't mind uh, understanding how did you get involved in triathlon to begin with?
1: Yeah. So triathlons actually, really, it's really funny. Um, I caught up with some friends. I went to high school with rest, like last night for dinner and they're mm-hmm. all just like, is she triathlon? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, so it's a, it's a weird choice. Um, I've always been a swimmer. I swam my whole life. I okay. always swam in pools. So I actually have had quite a few panic attacks in open water. So mm-hmm. triathlon generally open water swims, yeah. I hate cycling. Never rode a bike as a kid. I had a pony, so why would I ride sure. a bike? Sure, <laughs> like, whatever. Um, and I hate like I refused to run pretty much. So mm-hmm. ran a little bit on the netball court. Ran a little bit playing tennis, but otherwise nah, running, not running. off for me. Sport not yeah. not a big part of my life. Yeah. Um, but I, through some other members of Hypoactive, so Dan Zeller and Meg Knight, um, uh, decided that I should try something running. So I'd been going to the gym quite a bit and then I had a job where I had to travel quite a bit and I was like, Okay, so running is something I can do anywhere I am. So if I'm in like um Bairnsdale for a week for work, I can go for a run. Sure. I don't need to yeah. find a gym, I yeah. don't need anything else. All I need is a pair of runners. So they took me for a run around the 10, So, okay. and Dan did that great thing of chatting to you while you run, <laughs> so you run at somebody else's speed. Yeah. So I could not walk for two days after that, and I was sending them both abusive text messages every time I had to stand up going, I hate you both. Um, but from that, we kind of did um, our first 5K run, which then we did our first 8K run. Yeah. Um, then I did the run for the kids, mm-hmm. um, the 14K course, and I was like... Okay, so Becoming I started addictive. running. Yeah, like, all right, so this is April. I've managed to run 14Ks. I couldn't run 2Ks like four months ago. Yeah, I reckon I could do a half marathon. Yeah, so also- that was my goal. So that October, oh, I did my first half marathon. I was just yeah. like, yes, this yeah. is amazing. But then everyone's like, when are you going to run a full marathon? I was like, I do not have the attention span to <laughs> run a full marathon. I can't concentrate on work, I can barely keep it together for a half. Yeah, like, I. Like, I'll be wandering off in search of coffee or stopping to pat a dog for <laughs> a full marathon. So, um, a friend of mine was doing triathlons and I was like, oh, well, I like swimming. Yeah. Don't really like cycling, but you know, that's only just a bit in middle. Yeah. Like, and it's probably like, it's the next challenge. And I was kind of like, oh, it's probably not a bad way to like meet people either. So yeah. Yeah. I had a bit of a look around. And the tri-club that I'm part of, Hawthorne Tri-Club, has a tri-tri course. Okay. So it's like a six-week introductory course, and you sign up, and they teach you how to swim, mm-hmm. how to swim in open water, how to ride a bike, all the skills you need to ride a bike. Yeah, right. And That's really that, interesting. How to run off the bike and put it all together. Sure. And at the end, as a cohort, you do your first triathlon together. Okay.
0: And what triathlons that?
1: So it depends on... A bit of timing, but I did the sprint distance triathlon. So you either do a mini or a sprint. So a sprint distance is seven hundred and fifty meter swim. A 20k ride and a 5k run okay so i did that and it was an absolute disaster oh really yeah so it was one i for some reason had not thought at all about my diabetes management on race day so we didn't do a full practice race beforehand we did kind of sections so we swam and then we cycled and we um cycled and we ran off the bike so i'd never actually gone and it wasn't until race morning when i was about to walk out of transition i went I didn't have a waterproof pump at that time. I'm like, I can't wear this in the water, but I need it when I come back into transition. Um, okay, so I'm just going to have to take it off and leave it here. Yeah, right. So, and then my blood sugars were really high because I was so nervous and I had so yeah. much adrenaline. And I hadn't slept well at all. Yeah, sure. So it was one of those. And then the start was delayed because I had issues putting the boys out. So it was one of those things. I was disconnected from my pump for probably an hour before we started, then it was a really choppy swim. I was down at Sandringham, so that can be like, yeah, so it was a really choppy swim. I freaked out halfway around, got rescued got pulled back into the shore. It's was kind of like seeing my fire tri coaches. They're like, well, you know, you can still do the, like the bike and the run. <laughs> it's just like, all right, <laughs> I guess I'll do the bike and the run. So right, and so the transition, the run from the swim at Sandringham back to transition is nearly a kilometre. And like you go up this massive hill. So I get up there, get back into transition, check my blood sugar and like through the roof. I'm like, right, reconnect the pump. Yep. Try to correct for that try to like guess how much the going to take out of me. So I actually had like, that's probably one of my best like relative bike legs I've done. Yeah, sure. But then I got out on the run and I'd swallowed so much water during the, the swim right. that I felt like vomiting every time mm-hmm. I started running. So I walked most of the run was like probably the last person that finished on that day. It was yep. just like, That was just a horrible experience. But I'm just (laughs) really glad that it's over and I've met some really nice people and that was, yeah. Yeah, right. I was just kind of like, well, that is definitely a challenge and I can do this better. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so I guess that's kind of what yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I suppose
0: it's really addictive. I suppose, like, I mean, I'm, I'm out and bike a lot and it is it is addictive. You're like, mm. okay, cool. I've done it in X time or I felt X good and, you know, next yeah. time I want to do it better. And did you, um at any point, because uh, I know a lot of people with diabetes sometimes view exercise as a bit of an obstacle or a bit of an, a lofty ambition. In mm. Managing diabetes whilst exercising can, can be a challenge. I mean, I can definitely vouch for that. Mm. But you, it's obviously not hold you, held you back. Do you, you obviously, you don't see it as a, a hurdle at all.
1: I think I think a lot of this has to do with the way I was raised and my mum's mm-hmm. attitude towards me having diabetes and not letting it be a barrier to my life. Yeah, sure. And it's basically, she raised me with the attitude that diabetes just means that I have to plan a bit more. Mm -hmm. I have to think a bit more. I need to do, I need to take some things into consideration that other people take for granted. So I think it's one of those things, like there's nothing that diabetes is as limiting as you let it be. So if you try to leave textbook diabetes and you try to do exactly what the doctors say, and I'm not saying totally disregard what your doctors are telling (laughs) you, but there comes a point between like, I know I've had conversations, um, when i was wanting to change to a waterproof pump for triathlon mm-hmm. and i had a register i'm like i need you to write a letter to tell my health insurance company mm-hmm. that i'm an elite athlete yeah um, sure. and so i need to change to this pump which happens to be waterproof but it also has finer micro adjustments okay and she was like um but it's easier for us if you upgrade to this other pump that's not waterproof and i'm like yeah. Okay, like I understand, it's easier for you in the fifteen minutes twice yeah. a year that I see you in clinic. <laughs> for the other three hundred and sixty-five days a year, twenty-four hours a day, it's that easier for me. That <laughs> to, yeah, that's right. To manage the yeah. other ones, yeah.
0: so yeah. and I'm not going to see you again. <laughs> and I'm,
1: Yeah, probably going to ask not to see you until yeah. I come. So yeah. can you just write what I'm asking you to? Yeah. yeah. So but I think it's very much about, um, yeah, your attitude towards do you live your life and fit your diabetes in or manage your diabetes Mm -hmm. or do you manage your life to maximize your diabetes so i'm very much about if if there's a will there's a way and you'll work out a way to make it to make it work for you yeah Yeah.
0: that's yeah i mean that's why you're here today (laughs) (laughs) i'm really keen to chat to you because yeah you're very positive and i think you've got a really good outlook um all right so we've talked about how you got into into triathlon Mm -hmm. um how did you, yeah, how did you get from, you know, your first try right yep. up to the triathlon world age uh, group champs in yeah. Mexico?
1: Um, I'm going to attribute that to tri clubs and hanging around with triathletes. Mm-hmm. So it's actually a really bizarre, well, it's not probably bizarre, but that's probably the wrong word. So it's a really interesting um, cohort of people and you actually, um, this sounds bad, but it's kind of good you lose kind of perspective when you hang around with them a lot because when you're hanging around with people who are training for Ironman um distance triathlon races for them it is completely normal to go for a seven or eight hour bike ride on a saturday morning <laughs> and then you know at the end of it just pop a two hour run on the end of that yeah. cause, you know that's what they're training they're training to a 180 kilometer ride and yeah. then a full marathon at the end of it after they've done like a 3.8 kilometer swing yeah so oh, your whole perspective on what's normal and what's a normal amount of training mm-hmm. kind of goes out the window and you get a bit swept up and everyone's like oh this is like oh you should do this race and when are you doing this race? And like and it's kind of you, you build up in little baby steps and then you sure. see other people that you're training with. And they're like, Oh, you're doing that. I'm I'm not that far behind you. I could probably do that. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, I, okay. I know I could do that. Yep. And then yeah, so I got into um, my first half iron man, I signed up for that because another girl I was training with asked me and another, like a couple of groupers, she's like, I'm going to do a half Ironman. Will you guys all train with me? And we're like, yeah, yes. <laughs> sure. And then so like, we all trained with her, she did. And I was like, actually, I've already done the training. I can do one of those. Yeah, right. Um, and yeah, yep. she also went to um, the World Age Group Championships in, um, where was it? Um, Chicago. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So that was kind of my colour. It's like, oh yeah, I could I qualify for that. So, yeah, yeah so that, that's kind of how it's just like, yeah, you see other people doing it, you go, like, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And I suppose that, that coupled with your mindset of, yeah. you know, just, just get out there and do it, and yeah. diabetes is not going to hinder me. Um, so, the, the the triathlons, well, let, let's talk about a 70.3. So, yeah. a 70.3 for the people that don't know is a half iron man. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm interested to understand how you, on race day, what do you do? Like, so you, you, I mean, I I know a couple of triathletes and they, and they, they get up, sort of early so yeah it, what, what do you do you get up early do you have breakfast and i'm kind of interested to hear about how you maintain you manage your sugar levels and what yeah. you eat and what do you eat for the swim and do you do you put a bit of food down your wetsuit arm and then yeah can you talk yeah. us through all that sort of yeah stuff?
1: so i probably take quite a different um approach to a lot of people with my um diabetes management during a half iron man or a okay. long distance so kind of the longer the longer ones um to what i do during a sprint um i really struggle with managing um i guess a a big breakfast so for most of my training i won't eat breakfast morning training sessions i won't eat breakfast before i train because the whole juggling how many carbs are going in um your rate of absorption and digestion of food can change while you're exercising depending on the intensity of the exercise Mm -hmm. and then the action of the insulin that you've put on board as well coupled with the exercise and that different intensity i'm just like it's too much, too hard. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna keep it as simple as I can for me and I'll just train fasted. And for most of most of my morning sessions that's okay. Sure. Um so yeah. for shorter distance tries I generally won't eat anything beforehand, but for your longer distance ones, you're trying to I generally will have something. Um one of the big things for me, and one of my most frustrating so my first half distance, um, or my first seventy point three, I didn't do this, So I had my nutrition plan and I'd stop and I'd test my blood sugar and I'd pull out my pump and I'd be trying to input um, how many grams of carbs I'm going to eat and then like taking off whatever. Um, but what I found was it was really sunny the day that I was doing it and I could barely read my pump screen and I'm like, this is taking forever because I'm like having to pull over, trying to find a shady spot to pull over, like covering the screen so I can actually read what I'm putting in and punching yeah. in and, like this is and this is actually quite funny this is like the first time i was like this is so unfair that i have to do all of this extra work and then i was like then spent 10 minutes going why is it taking me so long to think that this is unfair this is really weird but anyway (laughs) moving on let's get back to cycling um yeah so after that what i started doing is actually the night before i will sit down work out what my nutrition plan is what I want to eat, when I want to eat it, and I write myself a new basal profile. Yeah, right. So my basal profile will then factor in. So in a 30-minute block, I will give the amount of insulin that I need to take in the nutrition that I want to have during that period of time. Okay, sure. So it basically gives me, and it also helps with things like gels, because I have found when I um, take a gel, if I take insulin, if I give myself a bolus, For a gel at the same time that I eat the gel, depending on which gel it is, Um, the gel works faster than the insulin does. So then I start feeling unwell and like. Getting that real blood sugar spike, and then it takes a bit of time for the insulin to catch up to it. Yeah, so sure. I think it's a bit similar to what I heard Monique saying about them pumping them full of insulin yeah, before they got off the bike. I really was just like, interesting. Oh, Yeah, that's really interesting. So it's, yeah. I guess it's almost a similar thing that I'm doing, yeah. but I'm building it into my my basal profile that yeah, I run sure. during the race. Sure. So, yeah, so I have okay. that built in, and then so obviously I've got the reduced basal rates for the exercise, but then I have very specific amounts of. So it does mean that kind of like you're locked in and it's yeah. like in this 30 minute block, I need to this eat this having. many grams of carbs sure. and I'll have a couple of different options So it might be. So I try to get bars that have the same amount of carbs as gels. Okay. So it's like, if I can't get a bar in, then I can have a gel and I know I'll be okay. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, then right. there's been times where I've like misread labeling and it's just gone to... Right, basically <laughs> yeah, and it's just like oh that ended really badly right so what did yeah. i do wrong what can i learn from that but, yeah not yeah. enough carb
0: or or, or too but much too much so it was right. one of the
1: ones where i looked at the carb table and went right that's how many grams of carbs didn't check how many servings were in the packet so went, oh, <laughs> easily it was two. it was two serves not one i should have had double amount sure and so then i was like running really high and i was on a cgms at the time so i could see like you're just going up so i went yeah. all right for my next one i know i've got another bolus rolling through like a higher um bolus rolling through in an hour okay so i'll just sit tight on this wait for the balls to roll through that'll yep. bring it down um, I don't need to have as much okay for my for that next schedule bolus because I've got this other yeah, yeah sure yeah, okay. Thing. So, yeah. but then um got hit a really bad patch of road. Didn't eat what I was meant to eat. So I then ended up having like, quite a bad hypo in T. Tea- one yeah so sure. your okay. yeah yeah
0: and do you find like you, you mentioned it before when you're doing you know exercise and I know like the more strenuous exercise it does affect how quick you absorb something mm. or your, your metab- metabolism mm. um, do you find like when you are having a low like on the bike or the run or whatever mm. do you find you, you just sort of ch- you know, cool the jets a little bit, let the low, let the food work and then, and then, you know, pick up the intensity again? Or do you, how do you manage that?
1: It really depends. And we talked a a little bit about this before, how I got there. Yeah. So if it's just a really slow slide down, then I can normally, like I've actually done one half marathon where my blood sugar sat at three for the first 15 Ks. (laughs) Oh, really? I just (laughs) could not get it. I'm I'm like eating everything and would not get up over, I think I like 3.6 but I felt fine. So I was just like, I'll just keep running. I'm yeah. fine. Just, just disconnect my pump, basically throw that away. Just keep shoving food in. Yep. And then started to come off towards the end. It was like, all right, cool. Don't know what happened. There. <laughs> that was fine. But then there's other times like, um, this time where I had that quite, quite a fast drop. Cause mm-hmm. I hadn't like in for that basil. I was like, going into transition going, I can't find my rack. I don't like just really spaced out. And that yeah. was one where I went out for a run. I actually walked the first couple of Ks of the run waiting okay. for my blood sugar to come back up. And sure. when I'm like got a clear head space and it's like, okay, cool. No, I can do this. I can run again. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a question, but I've forgotten it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll move on. We'll keep that one for later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When you're racing a triathlon, mm-hmm. do you have to let, Uh, race organisers know that you're a diabetic?
1: So it's part of um, your registration form for every triathlon event. They'll ask you, do you have a medical condition? Um, and say yes, got type one diabetes on insulin pump. Um, and for the longer distance triathlons, you'll generally always have a bib like you get in a lot of the road races. Okay. And I'm one of the very few people who will always fill out the back of my bib <laughs> and write, out, "This is my name. I have type one diabetes. I'm on an insulin pump. This is I actually put on. I've got medical alert. So this is my ask. medical alert number. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. This okay. is my like, my emergency contact details. So I know a lot of people never ever fill them out. Yeah. I Always fill that out. Yeah. Um, so I don't important. go and find... Like, I know that some people who do triathlons will go and find the first aiders beforehand and tell them, um, look, I've got diabetes and blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, yeah, I don't yeah, think that's okay. particularly necessary. But yep. yeah, always, they, they know it's on my registration. It's on my person. Um, I did, however, in Mexico, tell the team doctor, make, make sure I introduced myself to the team doctor. Hi, how are you going? <laughs> my name's Laura. Just letting you know, if something happens, I've got type 1 diabetes um yeah,
0: yeah sure just
1: so that you might happen to remember that like i'll be wearing a medical bracelet it'll be on all my stuff yeah. yeah
0: and i suppose you might feel a little bit more comfortable knowing that if something was to happen yeah they're going to be on the ball immediately yeah. they're not going to go they're fitting uh yeah. what are it's they like, pissed or that oh. yeah
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> are they but, epileptic how no that's a diabetic right yeah <laughs> yeah that's right
0: yeah um uh, another question I had for you, and, and I've found this in the past sometimes with my exercise, and this is why I ultimately ended up on a pump, is ketones. Yep. Do you ever test for ketones uh, when you... Well, first of all, can you tell us a little bit about ketones for the folks that don't know? Yep. And if if you do test for ketones, so how, how do you go about that?
1: Oh, okay, that's a really interesting question. Um, so ketones are a byproduct that are produced when your body starts to break down fat, um, so it's something that um, most people who've been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes will have experienced ketones um, and a level of ketoacidosis um, when they were diagnosed because their insulin um, there's not enough insulin in their body to help the glucose um, from their bloodstream get to their muscles. So the muscles are calling out for more energy so then they start your body starts breaking down fat to give your muscles that energy but it's kind of like gets in this cycle and as a, as a result of breaking down that fat, um, you get the ketone bodies produced and you actually need insulin to clear the ketone bodies along with water. Um, so that's why a lot of the times if you've got a really high blood sugar level with ketones, you actually need to do multiple corrections to get down to your like your target range mm-hmm. because you're using part of that insulin to clear the ketones as well as um bring your blood sugar levels down yeah sure so i guess ketones um have probably been a bit more of a buzzword recently with all the keto diet <laughs> um and i yes. did actually um experiment not too long ago with using exogenous ketones, so actually taking ketones in a drink right. as a fuel source um, for training. So I was actually monitoring my ketones quite regularly Right. Doing okay. that to go, alright, so what am I sitting at? Okay, I'm going to have like a litre of this ridiculously salty, disgusting drink <laughs> um, and then see how, how my ketone levels track and how my blood sugar levels track and okay. how, that, how that goes. And it's a really bizarre thing to yeah. have like I think especially after, like, I've had diabetes for over 30 years now, when you've had so long of everyone going, ketones are terrible for you. Ketones cause everything, like, they're the worst thing ever. To actually deliberately put them into your them. body yeah. and go i can use this as a fuel source what does it feel like yeah so, interesting yeah
0: do you I, I mean i've spoken to a couple of diabetics and and i'm one of them that is very sensitive to ketones mm. i mean i can't remember exactly what it should be below is it like 1.5 or 1 or something mm. i can't remember that but eight?
1: Yeah, point,
0: point eight. Point eight. Yep. okay i know that when I, I get up to that sort of threshold yeah. i start to feel a little bit not na- like nauseated yeah um are you one of those people can you can you sort of yeah
1: yeah so i guess um i i always like what we used to call in camp the clag mouth test which is that kind of yeah right and yeah. a lot of diabetics will know if you do that kind of yeah it's like yeah, yeah my like, like it's a bit tasty. like tasty it's a bit pasty it's a bit like as as one girl said it's it's i feel a little bit like i have been. Mean, if you remember clay glue yes when you were a kid yeah i <laughs> feel like that. i've just eaten some of that my mouth just kind of like mm-hmm. bluey and gross so that's always a good indication for me um it's more I, yeah i don't i'm not really sure i've never really differentiated between just having a really high blood sugar and feeling unwell because of that right and yeah, a good having point. like a lot of Ketone bodies as well, yeah, but sure. having said that, I haven't felt nor like drinking ketones and deliberately pushing my ketone levels up mm-hmm. hasn't made me feel unwell the way having high blood sugar has. So yeah, I would probably right. say that it's
0: more the high blood uh, it's sugar. more the
1: high blood sugar that impacts on me rather than the ketone bodies. Yeah,
0: sure. Yeah. Okay, no, that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. So you're obviously a positive person, mm-hmm. uh, and you've done exceptionally well to participate uh, in lots of sporting events, uh, including the triathlons which we've talked yeah. about. Um, do you think this requires a specific mindset?
1: I think everybody has the, the capacity and the capability to do as much exercise as they want to. and it's it's really about choice and it's about choosing your perspective. So it's kind of it's that glass half full, glass, half empty type of thing. So you can choose. Um, to manage your diabetes the best you can and make that your focus or you can choose to live your life and work out how you're going to fit your diabetes in the best way that you can. So I've always taken that approach of, um, yeah, this this is what I want to do. How am, I, how am I going to work, work out? What What do I need to do to make that happen, to make that happen safely for me?
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I guess there's that saying, like, you don't know your boundaries until you've exceeded them and mm. you don't really want to go that far, but you can kind of keep pushing and trying and experimenting and talking to other people. And I think um, because I have always been quite involved in the diabetic community and had a lot of friends um from camp and everything my dad like went on campus as a kid and mm-hmm. um involved in camps obviously later in life and then hypoactive and that type of thing having all that chatter and so many positive role models mm-hmm. around just yeah i guess really reinforces that diabetes isn't a barrier unless you let it be one yeah, sure, yeah. sure but it is really difficult for people that aren't engaged in that community and don't have that tribe around them so if you're not I'm, I'm thinking back to like when i was first diagnosed um yeah so it was just me and as far as i knew i was the only kid with who was like six five six years old who had diabetes nobody else had diabetes yeah like sure. oh, it was just me yeah and yeah just being managed by my gp didn't really open me up to there's a whole world like there's heaps of kids with diabetes and they all manage fine. And yeah, yeah there's that's all this right. stuff that you can do, um, that you didn't know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
0: And I think it's really, it's really motivating, to, motivating to hear someone or see someone with diabetes and they're doing something exceptional just like yeah. you've done. And you know, you get really inspired by that and you're like, yeah. yes, I can do that. Yeah. Do you think there's almost a sense of, because I've got diabetes, I want to I want to beat you more or I want to, I want, to I want to, run faster than you or I want to be better at this than if I hadn't have had diabetes. Do you think there's a little bit of that?
1: Um, for me, no, because I'm not particularly good. Like, I do a lot of exercise. I'm not very you're good. De- at are definitely it. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not i'm not winning any of my races like but it's like sorry i'm not winning in terms of come like crossing the finish line first but it's for me it's a win because it's about challenging myself and it's about being out there and it's about the enjoyment and the engagement that i get out of participating um but i think it's yeah i don't think that like proving that I can do it because I have diabetes drives me. But I think it's a really nice, um, I guess, side effect that people are inspired by the fact that I do these things with diabetes. And it's actually really funny. Like, often we go away for triathlons like interstate or somewhere and um triathletes are always like they're really into like gadgets and technology (laughs) and everyone's always fascinated like when i sit down with all my nutrition and i pull out the calculator and i pull out my pump and i'm starting to work out how what my basal profile is going to look like they're like what are you doing (laughs) Like you're writing down numbers you're making calculations what are you doing what is this and so then you start having that conversation about what it takes for me to manage my diabetes, and they're like, But then you have to, like, what if you don't want to eat that? And it's like, Well, well I don't actually to. have a choice, I have yeah. to, like, my yeah, my pancreas is external. Um, yeah, <laughs> this is what it has to do. And then, like, sometimes I'll be playing around. Like, when I was working out that basal profile, there was a couple of rides I did where I was setting that up, and it's like saying to the girls I'm riding with, All right, hey guys. I'm experimenting with the machine that keeps me alive. So we're gonna need to stop a bit more often so I can check my blood sugars and they're like, okay, fine. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. Yeah, that that definitely
0: makes sense. Yeah, no, that's awesome. (laughs) All right, so to change change course a little bit here, I uh, I saw an ad on Facebook and it was a Diabetes Australia ad and I saw Laura's face on there and she's running, it's in in Melbourne isn't it? It's a photo of you running in Melbourne. That was me
1: running in circles in Melbourne.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, How did that ad come about?
1: That ad came about um, courtesy of Kim Henshaw. So I went on diabetes camp as a kid with Kim and obviously know her from, um, she was a leader on diabetes camps as well and so I've known her for quite a while and um, she works at, Diabetes Australia and Victoria and um, she contacted me and said that they were running a campaign on busting myths around diabetes and one of the myths was that if you have diabetes you can't participate in sport and she said you You are are the person that I think of when I think of busting that myth and I was like oh and she's like will you do it i was kind of like oh yeah cool why not sure like i'll have like i'm like oh, i don't really want black. it's just a diabetes australia victoria one they'll put like something on their website it'll be fine no one will see it and
0: yep. then
1: they're like yeah cool so i went down to like fed square and i had to do like this running and running around in circles and like running down these different points and then yeah so I did all that and did all the stills and all this other stuff and then they're like sending me out this email going yeah awesome so the campaign's going to start on this day like if you can like post a bit about it like sure no worries here are the proofs." they're like well girl, we're going to be running ads in the age <laughs> like, What? What? <laughs> so the video piece that you did is not just going on the diabetes australia website it's being run as an advertisement in regional victoria Ah, oh, okay right cool um You're famous. And, and at that point they were like oh and it's going to be in a on a billboard in Q junction that thankfully didn't actually happen because i was like oh god i drive through q junction to get to work so does my boss (laughs) i don't really want to feel bored of me out there but okay right so yeah that was a lot of me going it's not about me it's about the message and yeah it's one of those things where it's, it's a really important message because it's absolutely like the number of people i know who meet people with diabetes who are like like, as you said, who are frightened to exercise because they don't know what to do with their yeah. diabetes or don't know where to start. Um, yeah, it's yeah. yeah absolutely heartbreaking that people are not doing what they want to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, because yeah. they think that diabetes is a barrier. Yeah.
0: yeah, and you've most definitely proved that it's not. Yeah. And um, Laura's taking autographs so <laughs> after this. Yeah. Um, I have right. a stack of printed notes. <laughs> So we've talked about camps a lot. Yeah. Um, so let's let's delve into the diabetes camps a lot. I know when I was a kid, I was a very shy kid. Yeah. And uh, mum and dad tried to get me to go on these diabetes camps, and I was like, "There's no way I'm going on these diabetes camps." Yeah. Um, and mum and dad are like, "Absolutely, you'll learn so much." Um, for uh, if if we have any parents listening and mm-hmm. they're thinking about sending their kids on camps, can we talk about you know what age? age groups yep. uh, can go on these camps and you know, what they offer and the duration and all the rest. Of yeah. Can we talk a little bit, a bit, a bit about yeah, that? Yeah,
1: so I haven't been involved in camps for a little while, but there's sort of four age groups. And when I first did camps, um, I did them in New South Wales, so they were a little bit different. So my very first camp, I went on as a nine-year-old, so I was one of the eldest kids on there. Okay. It was actually a weekend camp and your parent came with you. So it was a weekend away with a parent and it was all like the kids hanging out together and the parents having basically a really in-depth education session. So the way the diabetes camps in Victoria are run now, it's more about the kids coming away. Um, so there's like junior, um, senior, teenage, and then autumn camp. So autumn camp is sort of the youngest group that they take. So I mainly did the senior camps, which is sort of your 12 to 14. No, hang on. 10 to 12 and then teenagers 12 to 14 okay. and the juniors are sort of eight to 10. And then the autumn camp was a shorter one for that the the younger kids as well. Yeah. Sure. But yeah. So the main idea, so I've had people, um, I've met people who are like diabetes camps are horrific. Why would you go, why would you go and spend a week celebrating the fact that you have this awful disease? Right. And I'm like, That's not what diabetes is about. Diabetes, diabetes camp is about your normal
0: yeah, that's so right. it's
1: about spending yeah. a week where everyone does insulin injections and everyone checks their blood sugars and everyone, it's not weird to say, do you know how many grams of carbs there are in that? Because <laughs> <laughs> everyone does it and it's yeah, about right. the kids and it's, it's quite similar to the, a lot of the hyperactive events, it's not so much about the activities that are run it's about the discussions that happen between the kids and it's about them talking about this person's being mean to me at school and they're picking on me because i've got diabetes mm-hmm. or i don't want to tell anyone at school that i've got diabetes because i think they're going to like tease me about it and mm. what do you do or this teacher won't like i i need to go and check my blood sugar and see the nurse and the teacher won't let me do it what am i going to do about that so yeah it's yeah, it's sure. about all those those conversations and yeah yeah telling people And if you're, like, looking at getting your first boyfriend, how do you tell your first boyfriend (laughs) (laughs) that you've got diabetes or... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So it's about a a community almost. Yeah. 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 No,
0: that's really interesting. And do you think, um, like like if you were to to go, obviously, you know, you make a bunch of friends and, you know, you're probably lifelong friends with these guys that you Mm. go to camps with, just like you mentioned with with Kim before. Yeah. So do you still keep in contact with some of the folks that you went to camp with? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So it's quite interesting and really interesting. One of the girls that I went to camp with in New South Wales is part of Hypoactive. Oh, really? saw me and was like, Hey, I don't know if you remember me, but like <laughs> yeah. we yeah. went to diabetes. I'm like, oh my god, that's so amazing. Yeah, yeah so sure. it's been really cool to to reconnect with her as well. So, yeah, okay, yeah, Oh, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. and so how do you get involved? Like, if if, if we have a parent listing, like I alluded yep. to before, do that? Is it just through the Diabetes Australia website, or can we give them a call? Yeah, so or?
1: there's Diabetes Australia website, so they'll have a link to the Diabetes Camps Victoria. Um, or they can speak to their endocrinologist or diabetes nurse educator. They should be able to. Um, hook you up. So there's application forms um, for each of the different camps that they'll they'll fill out and they obviously take into consideration um, a whole range of different things because unfortunately, um, well, last I heard, the camps don't have quite enough places for how many kids there right. are that want to go right. on. So there's always a bit of a selection criteria there. But okay. yeah, definitely um, first timers. Um, and regional kids. yeah sure are, are given a, a bit of preference because they get less exposure. Okay yeah, to yep. the kids with diabetes. Yep. Yeah.
0: That, fair enough. Yep. Okay. Another change in direction mm. and this is I'm, I'm really not that I'm not interested in what we've talked about before, but I'm really interested. I've, I've actually messaged Laura in the past about some of the studies that she's, yep. she's been involved with. Like guinea and pig I, time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think a lot of people find this quite interesting. Mm. So, obviously, diabetes, um, you know, it's been around for a while. Um, and there, there's lots of research going into diabetes with, with, you know, a whole host of different organizations. Um, and Laura's been involved with two. Yep. Um, pre- correct me if my pronunciation's not correct. Is it the Glycins? Yep. Gliscence, all right. So, Laura participated in the glycence implanted CGMS trial. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. And so, what does CGMS mean for the people uh, CGMS that
1: is a continuous glucose monitoring sensor. Okay. So, normally um, we think of continuous glucose monitoring sensors, they're things like your Dexcom, um, your, I don't think what the Medtronic one's called, Free Guardian. Guardian. Yeah, yeah. Medtronic yep. Guardian. Um, the Libra is sort of a, a version of a CGMS when the, the flash scanning of it, because it doesn't actually transmit to a receiver. Mm-hmm. So, the implantable one, um, a friend of mine who has diabetes um her endocrinologist was looking for study participants and mentioned the trial to her and she's like i know someone who would love this (laughs) she's like laura give him a call if you're interested and i was just like this is perfect this is for me because one of my biggest issues is i'm i'm a heavy sweater okay so and because i swim quite a lot with triathlon so i'm generally in the water sort of three times a week for quite extensive periods of time so trying to keep the externally mounted cgms devices on me is really hard yeah sure. so a lot of the times um they want you to put them on your abdomen and i find mm-hmm. the rotation of swimming and then also with dancing they just trying to keep them on is impossible so then they have to on my arm mm-hmm. and then i have issues with taking shirts off and getting changed doing a quick change for transition it's kind of like ah there there goes my 70 dollars of cgms or 100 dollars of cgms yeah. and that's it that. so i just like <laughs> awesome it's implanted it's under the skin i'm not going to lose that that is fantastic i'm so in for this study so that was really cool so um having a chat to the the study doctors there um and so basically the cgms device is about the size of an an old school um, usb stick okay so they make a small incision in your abdomen and they create a pocket and they put it in there so that was um interesting timing for me so um uh, that was implanted 10 days before i did a half marathon oh, um, perfect yeah yeah well so, depending on how you look at it yeah yeah so yeah. i was just kind of like okay, oh, yep. get so like yeah so the questions that i asked during the the introduction period were like so the transmitter that i have to have like next to me 24 hours a day basically is that waterproof no okay so there's going to be an issue there so i swim (laughs) can i just leave it at the end of the pool (laughs) is that going to be like close enough for it to like pick up stuff so they're like yeah yeah that's fine okay still be in the study for that like oh good thank god for that um yeah so then trying to manage. so yeah one of the most challenging parts for me for that study was i actually had to start running with a backpack because i had to take the transmitter which is basically um the size of an old remote. Okay. So it was quite a big, quite a big, yeah. um, like this item. Yeah. Tascam. Yeah. Recorder like Tascam recorder. Okay. Um, plus you also had to wear a Dexcom, um, as well to, check the accuracy like to compare okay. accuracy sure. so i had to carry that with me all the time so it was like okay so if i run with a backpack like with a bum bag that's just annoying it bounces <laughs> everywhere and yeah. yeah pulled on stitches at the start so i was like okay yeah. backpack it is so yeah, then i'm sure. like running doing like really short runs with a hydration backpack looking like this. <laughs> oh, there's no water in this but anyway this is what i'm doing yeah. um yeah so that was a really a really cool study to be a part of um so the Receiver that we got initially was blinded, so we don't actually get to see what it's reading, so okay. we can't make decisions. Um, the reason for that was they were looking at the accuracy and they could improve the accuracy of the glucose readings and their algorithms by okay. looking at the oxygen levels in the um, interstitial fluid as well as the glucose levels. Right. So there's some, yeah, yeah it's... really interesting research and maths yeah. going on.
0: I was going to ask, with the implanted, um, yep. me- yeah. device, is it measuring interstitial or is it... Yeah,
1: no, it measures interstitial, okay. so yeah. Yeah, sure, yeah. okay. And so they sit it in um, between your skin and your muscles, so it just sits in under, under the fat layer. Sure, yeah. okay.
0: And for the people that aren't too familiar with you know, continuous glucose monitoring systems, mm. what's, what's the difference between interstitial and blood?
1: Yep, in terms of glucose yeah, levels. Yeah, sorry, in, yeah, in terms yeah. of glucose levels. So in levels. terms of glucose levels, your interstitial fluid, they say, is generally about 30 minutes behind what your actual blood sugar level is, and that's just because um, the glucose in your interstitial fluid comes out of the bloodstream, um, just as part of that whole, yeah. Yeah, um, sure. So they have to write algorithms, um, so all the math geniuses start writing <laughs> algorithms to try and guess what your blood sugar are, was uh, based on what your blood sugar was 30 minutes ago what your blood sugar is now okay so that's why we quite often see or there's a, a lot of inaccuracy i think around cgms um is if that algorithm's not quite right for you yeah
0: sure yeah okay so yeah. And, and this particular product is mm-hmm. it available, uh, like can we go by it's, it now? Or? No, not yet, so okay. it's still in
1: the trial phase um, okay. I'm actually signed up, hopefully for the next clinical trial, um, as long as I get through all the screening again sure. so that will be starting in March this year I think at the moment Okay. Um, and looking for a longer implant period so for the first trial we only had them implanted for four months, It's sure. just a short term trial, um, this next one it should be for about seven months, but they're looking, they're planning the implants will be for one to two years. Right. So okay, that would sure. be quite, quite different. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they're not sure if you would need a day procedure in hospital or if they'll get it to a point where GPs can actually insert them yeah, Gee, in rooms. that'd cool. be pretty cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, so that's that's the glycans, uh clinical study we've talked yep. about. You've also been involved with a Metatronic 670G Closed yes. loop trial. Yeah. Um, can you, we've talked about 640G, which is the pump that I'm on. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a, a, the difference between a 640 and a 670G?
1: Yeah. So the 670G has what they call a closed loop. So it's where the pump starts making decisions about how much insulin you should be receiving based on what your blood sugars are reading. Okay. Yeah. So one of the problems with the algorithms that they have for working out your continuous glucose monitoring sensors and working out what your blood sugar, what it it thinks your blood sugar is, is that it doesn't adjust well for exercise. So, if you're doing aerobic exercise, your blood sugar will tend to trend down, but the CGMS won't always pick that up accurately um, and in time. Right. And if you're doing anaerobic exercise, so you're doing that really heavy, heavy breathing, really intense exercise, your blood sugar will actually go up. Sure. So, the issue when you're on a 670, when you're on a closed loop system, is that. If you if you tell the pump that you're exercising, it doesn't know. It doesn't differentiate between anaerobic and aerobic exercise, so it'll take the same action. Okay. Like, even though one drives your blood sugar down, the other drives your blood sugar up. Yeah, yeah. right. So it That's was that study was about looking at that closed loop system, but it was also about doing um, specific different types of exercise and measuring other signals okay. that might be able to be used um, in in working out that that algorithm adjusting so sure. looking at lactic acid looking at ketones as well
0: right yeah so was i mean the 670g is on the market in the states yeah so is this specific to australia or is, is metatronics sort of taking the results of this study and incorporating them back into the 670g for like a future release or what's...
1: i'm not 100 sure i imagine that they're looking at incorporating into future releases okay. and upgrades yeah, yeah
0: sure yeah and do you know when the 670G is available in Australia? No. You don't? No. Sorry, I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure.
1: Yeah, I'm just, I'm just a trial participant. So okay. So you get, get to try out the fun new gear and, yeah, and see enough. how it works. And yep. Yeah, it was actually really interesting because I was quite skeptical about... Um, yeah the the ability of the closed loop system and that and that algorithm to be able to adjust especially because none of my days are the same yeah so with different exercise and um yeah different intensities and the fact that like you swim on some days and though you might swim and ride on one day but then the next day i'll swim and run or i'll ride and run and then i've got like a gym session and all of that type of thing so And yeah, doing longer blocks on weekends and that type of thing. Just going, it's just going to be confused. Yeah. Like like I don't have a regular day for it to go, okay, this is how your blood sugar sits. Sure. Um, This is what I need to do. But it was actually really interesting because it it kept making it just like it didn't... um, I guess no day was exactly the same in terms of the amount of insulin it was giving me. So it never went, this is what your new insulin profile is. It just kept adjusting. Okay. Yeah, which is quite cool. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah,
0: because it it learns, doesn't it? It's got a little bit of AI in it. Yeah. 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 Okay.
1: So I was kind of like, it's going to challenge its AI. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, sure.
0: Okay, that's really interesting. Mm. Oh, I've got my fingers crossed. Yeah. I read something... I mean, I don't know. So I got my
1: fingers crossed for the T-Slim upgrade to come through soon. Okay. Because that'll make a closed loop system for Dexcom. Right. And yeah, the okay. T-Slim pump.
0: Yeah, actually, that was another question that I asked you a while back. Mm. Um, my doctor was mentioning to me that the Dexcom G5 mm-hmm. can be a little bit more, can be, a little bit more accurate mm. um, than the Guardian. Mm. Um Well, that's that's what she told me anyway. Do do you find that? Have you tried a couple and thought Dexcom's kind of the best?
1: I like Dexcom the best, but I like Dexcom the best from a usability point of view. Right. So for me, the Guardian, the way the Guardian's shaped and the way it's center of gravity is compared to how it attaches to your skin i find it really hard to keep in sure um i also get a lot of when i was doing that 670g study we were wearing guardians and i really struggled to keep them in for like the five seven days that we were wearing them for so i had a lot fall out within two days Um, I could do it slightly better if I kept it in my arm rather than in my abdomen, but they wanted them in the abdomen for the time for the study. Um, so that was a real struggle for me, but I think part of, and part of the reason that I don't get good readings and that that readings aren't as accurate for the Guardian is because of the shape of the sensor and how much movement, because my body moves a lot. Yeah. there's a lot more movement of the uh, of the filament
0: sure okay. yeah
1: whereas i think because i generally always wear the dexcom in my arm and it's more centered over it and it's it i don't know it feels like it attaches more stably for sure. me um yeah there's less issues of it falling out okay yeah
0: i i can definitely <laughs> relate to that i um when I got my pump, I got they—they they actually just chucked in a in a sensor yeah. for me because my the six forty G does have connectivity with a yep. sensor, and if if you go low, it you know can terminate okay. insulin for yep. a period of time. And I went for a surf, and I put my wetsuit on, and whoop, ripped the sensor straight yep. off. And I'm like, damn, I was only like two days into yeah. the sensor, but yeah, it's 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 a tough one, isn't it? Yeah. I ripped my buddy freestyle Libra off the other day when I was in the garden. Yeah,
1: there's
0: you know there's ninety two fifty just. Whoop, Gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I okay. know
1: all about that. <laughs> my my big recommendation is put it in your arm and then get the um, what are they called? The elastic bandages. Okay. They're like Chubby Grip. Right. So you can buy them by the meter. Like the, the Rock meter. Tape. Is that? No, no, no. It's like a. It's a. It's like a sleeve. Okay. That's an elastic bandage, and you just put it all the way around your arm. Right. Keeps it on when you're swimming. Okay. <laughs> Pro tip. Keeps it on. Keeps it on when you're like pulling off cycling jerseys. It just yeah. Right. It it's a okay. it and protects it. I might have to
0: yeah. I have to look into that. Okay, cool. Okay. All right. I think we might wrap it up soon. Um there's two more questions yep. I wanna ask you, Laura. Um I asked this question to Monique as well, and I think it's, it's really interesting to sort of get everyone's take on it. But if you were to run into a newly diagnosed diabetic down the street, if you could offer them any advice, what would it be?
1: Oh, so I absolutely agree with Monique's advice is find your tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really important to get connected with people who live with diabetes every day because it's such a different experience to what doctors have. Um, doctors learn about textbook diabetes and nobody has textbook diabetes yeah, so absolutely. it's about finding it. it's about finding the people who have and it's really interesting so Um, obviously I know a lot of diabetics who exercise and they all have different ways and their bodies react to exercise in different ways so I know some people who need to reduce so that they're giving like 5% of their normal insulin when they're running and I'll only do like if I'm doing a short run I won't reduce my insulin at all if I'm doing a long one I might reduce it by 20% my background Mm -hmm. insulin Um, but then the other thing is I think test your limits like do do it safely do it sensibly but yeah, don't don't be afraid to try and find out where where your boundaries are.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. No, yeah. absolutely. But
1: always always be prepared with that. So yeah, don't be pre- don't be afraid, but do be, be prepared. prepared.
0: Yeah. 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 No, that's really so, good advice. Yeah, yeah. Don't
1: go, yeah, I'm gonna go for a twenty K run and <laughs> I'm taking no hypo food <laughs> <laughs> no, or any way to check on budget. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> Epic fail, yeah. guaranteed. you're <laughs> gonna do that. All right. And one last sort of jovial type of question. Well, not really. Yeah. What's your favorite type of food to have when you have a low blood sugar level?
1: Oh, oh, wow. Um, My favorite food to have. So my go-to hypo food is actually, this is a bit of a funny story, is the um, Safeway Home Brand Jelly Beans. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is my go-to. Yeah, right. And that's mainly funny because they've changed, if anybody else also really likes the Safeway Home Brand Jelly Beans, they've changed suppliers a number of times. Okay. And I did actually write to them at one point when they did not have any other shells going, what is going on? I have diabetes. (laughs) This is my hypo treatment. What, like, what are you doing? And they actually replied. Did they? (laughs) (laughs) What did they say? They were like, we're really sorry. We've been having issues with our suppliers because I'd like written like... If you're like changing suppliers, I really like the packets that you had with like the dark green ones. Well <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're like an absolute nutter. Yeah. And they were like, Yeah, yeah, no, sorry, we've had like issues with our suppliers, but they they should be back in stock soon and rah, 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 rah. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. I actually think I've got some in the in the car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they've I mean, been that, there for a while. Yeah, no, yeah.
1: but yeah. So they're they're probably my, my go to because they're not that great that I'll just eat them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're, they're good and they, they seem to work quite well for me because I find some of the other, um, depending on the, the glucose content versus the other fillers. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes absolutely. it's like, yeah, this is great. It's like, this is just not like my blood sugar is not moving at Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I had three of them and now I'm like, Pfft. yeah. <laughs> I find that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
0: Okay, well, thanks very much, Laura. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Um, um, we've learned some really interesting things about diabetes management and your uh, your athletic endeavors. So thanks very much for coming down and uh, we'll, uh, potentially we might catch up again in the future.
1: Thanks for having me, Dustin. No worries. Thanks, Laura.